That's when walls fall down. It's in the name of Jesus that giants are killed. Lions' mouths are shut. The fiery furnace, you won't feel it anymore. It's in the name of Jesus that we are healed, that we're restored, redeemed. There is no other name. Welcome to a church where we're just a little bit crazy. That's okay. You don't know what he's done for me. You don't know the me I used to be. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you, there you go. Let it go on. That's okay. That's okay. We're here for you, Lord. We're in pursuit of you, Lord. My Jesus. This is a very, very fun atmosphere to be able to preach to because there's nothing special about me but the God that lives in me and the God that's here right now. There's nothing that cannot happen when the people of God come together like we're doing right now. You're the most powerful force in the world today. It's you, the existence of the church. As you make your way back to your seats, oh Jesus, have your way, have your way. Man, y'all did incredible, incredible job. feel refreshed. A little wore out, a little out of breath. Find out how out of shape I am when I really start worshiping. Thank God. But uh, it's an honor to be here with all of you. It's an honor to uh, have everybody viewing online with us. And I want to give honor to Pastor Hoffman, uh, the man of God in my life, the shepherd of my soul. I trust him completely. And it's an honor to be up here in front of all of you and be able to teach and preach you the Word of God. With that being said, I'd like to read to you from Genesis chapter 27, verses 18 and 19. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I just want to talk to you very, very quickly about an early apocalypse. An early apocalypse. You may be seated. We had our uh, pre-service meeting earlier, and I told everyone my title, and there were some people that were a little nervous about what this means, an early apocalypse, and why why it's a good thing. So don't worry. This is not doom and gloom. Um, I promise you, you're going to hopefully enjoy this message. 
This text that we read out of Genesis is the story of Jacob and Esau. Uh, the prophecy was that, that two nations would be in the womb of Rebekah and that the elder would serve the younger. And so Pastor Mike and I love this verse because we've got older brothers. <laughs> hey, Steve. How are you? The elder shall serve the younger. Praise God. And every second board said, Amen. 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 So uh, with that being said, this, this passage that we read to you, because the elder is serving the younger, um, Jacob um, conspired with his mom, actually, of all things, um, to steal what is known as the birthright. Uh, in uh, the Hebrew culture, whoever was born first was entitled to more stuff. And that's how that worked in, in the passing on of finances and cattle and all of those things that accumulate over a lifetime. And the firstborn got more than the secondborn. Not too fair. But uh, this is the story of Jacob stealing this birthright from out from underneath his older brother Esau. So the story goes that, that uh, Isaac, before he passed, wanted to have some soup so that he could bless Esau. Rebekah, Jacob's mom, overheard this conversation between Isaac and, and Esau, and she says, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go kill a goat. You're going to put the skin on your arms. We're going to make some soup, and we're going to go ahead. We're going to try to trick your dad to steal the blessing of the birthright. And, and so what happened is, um, this, this exactly what happened, is, is they stole the blessing from, from uh, Esau. Um, Isaac was old in age. He couldn't see very well. And, and he said, when he's talking with Jacob, he says, you know, this feels like my son Esau. Feels like uh, my oldest son. But this text that we said, Jacob said, I am thy firstborn Esau. This is an interesting passage because Jacob's name means supplanter. It means liar and deceiver. So when Jacob goes to his father and pretends to be somebody he's not, he becomes who he is. He becomes the liar that he is when he pretends to be somebody else. And so he's after the blessing, and he actually does get blessed by his father, but some blessing because it forces him on the run. It forces him to leave his home and to flee from his older brother because his older brother wanted to kill him. So... Jacob's on the run. He comes to a place called Bethel, which he named Bethel because he had a dream there. A dream, this is where we know the story of, of angels coming and, and up and down the ladder. And uh, he wakes up and, and you know, God says to him, I'm the God of your fathers. Uh, I'm the God of Abraham and, and, and of Isaac. I want to be your God too. And it's at this point that it's, it's Jacob's introduction to the God of his fathers. I have no record before this point that Jacob even had a relationship with the God that Isaac and Abraham had. And so he, he builds an altar when he wakes up and he says, surely God is in this place. Uh, and he ventures on to Laban's house, his uncle. And he ends up working there for 20 years, 14 years for two wives. And six years later, he ends up getting to go back home. And he comes back home to Bethel. He, he has another nap there. This is the story where we read God wrestles with him. It says the angel of the Lord, but other translations say that Jacob is actually wrestling with God. And so you have the same guy asking for the same blessing from his father. 
And God asks him the very same question that Isaac asked. What's your name? Who art thou? And Jacob responds, I am Jacob. Or he responds, I'm the supplanter. I'm the deceiver. I'm the liar. And it wasn't until Jacob responded with who he was that freed God to bless him into who he can be. And, and so there's a revelation here. We become who we are when we're dishonest about who we are. We become who we're called to be when we're honest about who we are. Because God can't bless a false Christian. He can't bless somebody who's pretending to be somebody else. But He can bless an honest sinner. And that's what happened. Jacob says, I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. And in that moment, God says, good, now I can work with you. And he changes Jacob's name to Israel. Israel is the man who had the 12 tribes. The nation of Israel exists to this day because of the children that Jacob had. Jacob had Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. David came from Judah. Messiah came from Judah. All because of a moment where Jacob said, I can't pretend to be something I'm not. I have to take off what I've been hiding, and I have to be open and honest before God. Then, and only then, can God transform you into who you're supposed to be. So this is the lesson of Jacob. Now, we know that that we have to be honest with God. For me, this has never been that hard. Mostly because there's an understanding of who God is. He knows all things. He knows what I did yesterday. He knows what I did today. He knows what I'm going to do next week. So when we repent, the the gospel message is this. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. This first first step here of repentance is, is taking off whatever you're concealing, whatever's hidden, whatever maybe you're the only one in God who knows about it, and you say, God... I need you. It's a change of direction is what repentance is. I was walking this way based on how I feel, what I've been told, what I've learned, the evidence that I have. I want to start living a life towards God. God's not this way. God is this way. I'm going to walk to Him. And that's repentance. True repentance always demands change and honesty. And when we do that, God says, now I can work with you. Now I can transform you, rename you into who you're called to be. So this is incredible. Um, However, James teaches something different. Not only do we have to repent, be transparent, be open before God, we have to be transparent and open with one another. This is a hard thing for me. Anybody else? Nobody wants their dirty laundry aired publicly. Nobody wants to be that transparent between one another because let's read James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. On top of repentance, James is teaching here that we have to confess things one to another. Uh, This is hard to do because in, 
in religion, I won't even specify one religion over another, there are some things that are worse than others, right? If I confess to you right now that sometimes I lose my temper, that's not that, oh, okay, well, we'll pray for you. That's all right. You know, you kind of lose your temper one another. But if I confess to you right now, I struggle with pornography addiction. Did you sense it? I felt it as soon as I said it. There was just something. Ooh, okay. And somehow, some way, we've believed a lie that in the church, it's not okay to not be okay. That somehow you have to live this perfect lifestyle. And, and you know, if Pastor Draylon says something, you know, I'm struggling with this. We're going to say, oh, Pastor Draylon, not you. We need you to sit down. We'll have Lauren lead worship for a while. And you need to figure yourself out. And historically, in religion, I think that's what we've done. We've created an unsafe environment for people to not be okay. And so that isolates people. Now you're alone. Now you're fighting a battle all by yourself. Listen to that verse in James. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Did anybody catch it? If I'm praying for Draylon... I'm going to get healed. My strength and my repair is based on my prayer for somebody else. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It means it's, it's, it's relevant. It works. There's, there's value there. But we, we like to think that that effectual fervent prayer, if I go home every day and I'm just praying honestly, of course there's value there. Nothing will ever replace a prayer life. Nothing will ever replace um, study of Scripture and, and consecration to the Lord. That's first and that's foremost. If you're going through something, start there. But don't stop there. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, is, is James is talking, that's when we're praying for one another. And that's how we're going to get healed is when we invest in one another. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. Think of this. We are the body of Christ. I want to read to you this, this scripture in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, that's you, look at your neighbor and say, that's me, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body and the edifying itself in love. What does that mean? That means Christ is the head of the body. The church is the body. He's the head. We're the bodies. We're many members. The body of Christ is bigger than this room. The body of Christ is global. Many members fitly joined together, meaning God positioned you here in Sterling Heights right now, this day, for a purpose and for a plan and for a reason. Many members, one body, everybody's bringing what they can bring to the table. We all have to work together in this because that's God's design. You see, God designed the church this way, that he would be able to work through you. So I need a volunteer. Will you, Pastor Dream, will you come up here for a minute? So keep this in mind. You're the body of Christ. Christ is the head. And so there's a verse that says, How be it true first, that which is natural, then which is spiritual. 
So it's important for us to study the natural body to try to figure out how the spiritual body works. So Pastor Draylon's going to have an issue. What do you want your issue to be? Pride. Pride. Pastor Draylon's got a pride issue, which that's a very humble thing to admit. You're not proud. That's a lie. Okay. Pastor, will you come right here, Pastor Draylon? Pastor Draylon has a pride issue. Now, he is, nobody wants to have an issue. Nobody wants to go home and struggle with something and fall into sin and fall into temptation. People don't want to do that, but that is what happens when you become isolated. So, let's study the body. We've got a pride issue. Now, who wants to be the Lord? Jordan, do you want to be the Lord? Everybody give it up for the Lord. Okay. You're the head. So in the human body, you're the brain. Meaning everything that happens from here down, you are in control of that. Okay? We're not bypassing the brain. We're submitted to the brain. Okay? Draylon's got a problem. Let's say there's pride. But in the natural, let's say... Let's say you got a gunshot wound. Somebody shot you in the abdomen. You're hurting. There's been a traumatic event in your life. All right? So the brain recognizes pain, identifies pain, and, and the pain receptors come up to the brain. The brain says, we got to do something about this wound in the body. So the brain says, I know what we're going to do. What we've got to do is we've got to elevate our heart rate because we're losing blood. And so we've got to make sure our blood pressure gets sustained. And so we've got to increase the heart rate. So, Ryan, you can, be, you can be the heart. Let's give it up for the heart. So this is my daughter. I just got an evil eye. Okay. You're the heart. And so God's going to send the heart. You've got to start pumping faster because we've got to take care of the wound. We've got to take care of the injury. Okay. Now, when the heart rate is sped up, you're circulating more blood. Okay? When you circulate more blood, you've got to have more oxygen in the blood to accommodate what's going on with the heart rate. So now, we need some lungs. Jason Talley. Come on, buddy. All right. So the heart rate speeds up, and also the brain's saying, okay, we've got to have the lungs speed up. So, Ryan, would you come next to Draylon? Will you come on this side, Jason? Okay, now, we're trying to help the injury. We're trying to help what's wounded because it's part of the body. It's part of us, okay? And so, Pastor Mike, see, aren't you glad you didn't sit on the front row? Isn't that great? All right, now, we've got an elevated heart rate. We've got an elevated respiration rate to help what's wounded. Now, what we're going to do, the skin is an organ. And, and what happens, in, even in your vascular system, the capillaries in your, like at the point of the wound, they'll become restricted, constricted, because they're trying to stop the blood flow. So Pastor Mike, you're going to go ahead. Will you stand behind Draylon? You're going to be uh, um, the capillaries and trying to reduce the blood flow to the wound, okay? Now, we need somebody with a nervous system here. <laughs> Ashley, you look nervous. You can be the nervous system, Ashley. Come on. Okay, Ashley, you're the nervous system. Come on up front. 
This whole thing starts. Nervous system has two systems, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. When you recognize pain and you identify something in the body is going on, you can, can, can recognize that and your body releases something called adrenaline. Adrenaline will speed up your heart rate and it's what's going to speed up your, your respiration rate. So actually come on in front. This is the body's response that God is the creator of all things. He created the natural body. So when he created the natural body, this is how he designed it to function. When one part is hurting, the other parts come to its aid. This is what God designed. And so now the wounded part, the injured party, is now surrounded by support. It's now surrounded by help. And so what we've done in church is we've, we've said, oh, yeah, I can't admit that. I, 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 can't, I can't admit that I struggle. Is this an okay place for somebody to come and admit that they've had an abortion? Is this an okay place for somebody to come and say, you know what, I've been struggling with homosexuality? Is this an okay place for that? Because what happens is if it's not, they're fighting it by themselves. They're expecting, they're expecting God and them alone to bypass the body. We don't need the heart. We don't need the brain. We, I'm, the, the, the lungs. We don't need a vascular system. We don't need a nervous system. We don't want the help of the body. So we're just going to go to God in prayer and expect God to do everything we're asking him to do. That's not how God works. That's not how the body is designed to work. God will not operate outside of what he has established as principle and as true. So you're saying, okay, how does that apply to where we're at? We know that we're the spiritual body of Christ. We know that, that this is a natural example with a spiritual revelation. So here we go. Psalms 1.3. It says that... Hold on, let me find my notes. We are trees planted by the rivers of living water that bringeth forth fruit in due season. Okay? So you're a tree. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a tree. Does that sound weird to say? You're a tree. Okay, trees planted by the river, they sing about it, okay? We get our strength, we get our source is the river. We're rooted in Christ. That's why the tree is planted by the river. It's what feeds us, okay? But we're supposed to produce fruit. So what in the world's the fruit we're talking about? It's Galatians 5. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Do you get it? I'm trying. So you're a tree that is commanded to produce fruit. Trees don't eat fruit. Who's the fruit for? It's for the body. It's for the person who's hurting. It's for the unbeliever that may never felt love. Because we've got, here we go, God knows. God knows there's somebody struggling right now. And, and, and i got to send them some love. Because what they need right now, maybe they've never felt love before. So God in his wisdom, says, I got to send this person some love because they've never been loved before. I got to teach them that they are loved, that they do have value. So we're going to send them some love. But guess what? They got to have some peace. 
So here you are, you're a tree planted and you're producing peace and it's not for you. The peace you produce is for who's wounded. The peace you produce is for who needs it because we're one body. If he's hurting, we're all hurting. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If we could ever learn in Pentecost, in our walk with God, there's not a person in here that doesn't struggle with something from time to time. Let's just get real. I'm sick of professional Pentecostal walls of perfection. Like, if we could just get real about what we, who we are, what we struggle with, there's nothing, like, your sin's not any better or worse than my sin. Let's just cut it all out. Be there for one another. That's how God's going to sharpen you, is through the body of Christ. It's His design. It's His purpose. He will not operate outside of His plan. That's the church. We're commanded to reach and impact our world, make disciples. That's it. We're commanded to be there for one another. Confess your sins one to another. So is this a safe place? Is this a place where we can confess what we're struggling with? If it's not, I'm telling you, it has to be. If somebody confesses something to you and you blab it, number one, you're going to have to answer for that. But number two, they're shut down. I remember there was somebody years ago, they don't come to this church any longer, and they were, they were given their testimony. Why? Because we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There's something powerful that happens when we take the coat off and say, this is what I am. This is what God's done for me. This is what He's doing for me tomorrow. But right now, this is where I'm at right now. That's how you overcome is when you get real about what you're dealing with and who you are. And so they were doing that in this room. And they said, you know what? We've had some troubles in, in our marriage. Um, I used to severely struggle with pornography. And, and somebody that's not here right now said, oh, just like that. This man was bearing his soul publicly, seeking help from the body, and we turned him away. We said, well, we, that one's a little too weird for us. We're not ready to handle that. Why don't you just go pray? And what we did is we forced that person to bypass the body, try to only deal with the head. And God cannot operate outside of what He has established. It's why the wages of sin is death. He can't can't undo that. That's Word. That's Bible. And so there had to be a price paid for sin. That's what the cross was all about. And so God cannot operate outside of what He's established. And so, that's why I think right now, today, very soon, we need to have an early apocalypse. It is and it is not what you might think. The apocalypse is what's known as the end of the world, destruction, uh, a lot of bad things happening that in the name of Jesus, if you make the rapture, you won't be here to see it. And... um, When you study that word, it comes from the Greek word, apocalypsis. The first word, it's two words combined together. The first word, A-P-O, it means to remove. 
The second word is calypsus. It means the veil or the covering. So in the apocalypse, the veil or the covering is removed. I believe it's what happened on Calvary. When Adam sinned in the garden, he realized he was naked. He realized he was exposed. And that's why he tried to, tried to cover himself, tried to get a covering, right? When Jesus Christ was on the cross, the Bible says that he despised the shame. What was the shame? The shame of being exposed, being naked and transparent before everybody. But it also says in Colossians that he, Christ, made a show of them openly. And so when Christ was exposed on a cross, the veil was removed. The covering was lifted off of the forces of darkness that were at work. And he made a show of them openly. I'm convinced that when we become transparent with God and with one another, the power of the enemy is exposed. And now we can begin through the body to get repaired, to get healed, and to get restored, to walk in a life of victory. And so we have a question. We either deal with that thing. Now, if you're good and if you're not dealing with anything, then you're the person who needs to be there in support of somebody else. And thank God for you. But if you're not, if there's that thing, when I'm talking up here, if there's God's dealing with you about that, that one hurdle that just always seems to trip you up, that you'll do good for months, and then next thing you know, you slip right back into it again. And then you get discouraged, and you're praying, and you're seeking God. You're honest, honestly trying to overcome, and, and to be an overcomer. But Paul taught that we are more than conquerors. Did you catch it? We we are more than conquerors because it's when we're together that we have our power. It's what Pastor Mike talked about last week. The power of one, and then when you add another and another, and then those people become unified, that's what we're after. If we can have a unified church in Sterling Heights, then there's no limit. There's no ceiling to what God wants to do. But we've got to deal with those secret things. Because it's harder for God to flow through you into somebody else if there's obstacles in your life, if there's obstacles in your spirit. So this is what I propose. I'm a safe place. Is it okay if, I, if you're a safe place? Yeah. Safe place. Yeah. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to try to put your sin on a, on a category of how bad it is and, and how little it is. We're not doing that. If you're struggling with something, pray study seek help in the body it's how you will overcome it's why you haven't overcome yet is because you've been isolated as long as satan can keep you isolated and keep you alone then there's then he's it's one-on-one -on -one, you see it's when we get another one and another one we're very very good with supporting one another when somebody gets cancer when somebody's in the hospital it, it, it's amazing to watch you respond to physical illness. I wonder what would happen if somebody said, you know what, I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with pornography or I've had abortion and I haven't, I haven't healed from that. If, if we could respond the way we respond when somebody has a physical illness, 
when they identify a spiritual illness, I'm telling you, this church would know nothing but victory. It's because when we unearth what's buried, when God brings it to the top and we deal with it with one another, now we've got something special. Now God puts his favor and his anointing and his blessing here because I'm convinced that there is nothing God wants more than to use you to make this world a better place, to reach and impact somebody else. And so with that being said, if you could stand. I had mentioned that apocalypse is the removal of the veil or the covering. One day, the Bible begins with the story of a wedding and it ends with the story of a wedding. One day, the bride of Christ, which is the body of Christ, look at your neighbor and say, that's me. One day, you will stand before the Lord. It's the Hebrew culture. It's why, why brides wear veils. At a wedding day, when you get presented to your groom, he's going to remove that veil from you. That's the apocalypse. And the Bible says you can't have a spot or a blemish if you're going to be in the bride of Christ. That's why we got to deal with it now. Because on that day, it's too late to deal with it. You've got to be clean right now. And when we are, sky's the limit. Come with me around an altar. Mighty Jesus. I encourage every one of you, if there's something you're dealing with in your life, this is a safe place. This is an okay place to get some help, to get some assistance from one another. So I encourage you to find somebody that you spiritually trust and that you trust to, to have your information on what you're struggling with. But when we start confessing one to another, the power of Satan is stripped. The authority that he has over you is wiped away. And you begin healing. You begin restoration. You begin to walk in victory. Lord, today, right now, God, we're so thankful for the power that you have established in your body. Lord, we're not bypassing you. God, we're submitted to you. This is your plan. This is your way. God, that when one person succeeds, we all succeed. When one person thrives, we all thrive. But when one person is hurting, God, we're all hurting. Lord, for we are one body. So God, right now, I pray that you would give us confidence, give us boldness, God, to be able to confess things to one another. It's what your word says we have to do, my God. Respond right now around this altar. Speak to somebody's heart right now, God. I pray, oh Jesus, that this would be a time of growth because, Lord, you are looking, Lord, for people who will turn to you and turn to one another. Let the support of this body be felt right now, God. Lord, there's nothing too bad. There's nothing too horrible, Lord, that you and your church cannot deal with. So right now, God, we turn to you and we turn to one another. In faith, oh Jesus, we're going to grow. We're going to be overcomers. God, that we can do all things through you, which strengthen us, mighty Jesus. So God, right now, we put our hands together. We lift your name up on high, God. In the name of Jesus, move through this altar. God, work in our midst right now. God, for where two or three, you're in the middle. Lord, work right now. 
minister right now, God, as we begin to pray for one another, my God. Let your strength be between us. Let your healing be between us. Oh, great God, we pray in the name of Jesus.